Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 135 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is justice for family caregivers after years of family caregiving. We have two stories. One story is of an organization that was founded in 1977 as the first community-based non-profit organization in the U.S. to address the needs of families and friends providing long-term care at home. This organization now offers programs at national, state, and local levels to support and sustain family caregivers. The other story is of a family caregiver who, following her own hard experience, is determined that Canadian family caregivers, their families, and future generations will not suffer the fate she has experienced. She's battling the legal and political systems here in Canada, and for her, this is all a matter of justice. Now, to talk about justice for family caregivers after years of family caregiving, we have two guests to whom the stories relate. First is Kathy Kelly. She's Executive Director of Family Caregiver Alliance, a national U.S. non-profit organization providing direct family caregiver support services, public policy development, research and public awareness. She oversees programs of the Bay Area Caregiver Resource Center's direct services in the San Francisco Bay Area, California Policy Collaborations, and the National Center on Caregiving. And during Kathy's tenure, the Family Caregiver Alliance grew from a grassroots program to a national organization providing leadership on supporting family caregivers with best practice interventions, public policy, state system development, and leading-edge research. She lives in San Francisco with her husband and daughters, and she has been a caregiver for several family members over the years. Now, Marilyn Pitka found herself, she's her She's our other guest. Marilyn found herself in financial, physical, professional, and personal ruin after spending 20 years as her mother's family caregiver. She was forced into litigation immediately following her mother's death. She then found herself fighting for herself and her young child in a legal system that marginalized, denigrated, and trivialized her. 
and determined that Canadian family caregivers, their families and future generations will not suffer the fate she suffered. She's testified before a parliamentary committee and addressed federal and provincial politicians about the need for legislation to protect people such as herself after years of caring for a loved one who is elderly, ill or dying. So welcome to the show, Kathy and Marilyn. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great. Good. Now, starting with you, Kathy, please tell us a little bit more about your background and work and your experience of family caregiving. Certainly. My background is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. I've been working uh, with family caregivers on a variety of levels and issues really for the past 30 years. And so in some ways I've sort of had a front, a front row seat, so to speak, on the um, – the beginnings of a nascent movement to recognize and to um, to adequately support uh, families who are caring for um, you know, anyone of any age. We happen, our organization happens to uh, really specialize um, a person's uh, adults, uh, adult onset uh, cognitive impairments. Um, but recognizing that really the issues around caregiving affects um, across the generations and for uh, children as well as for older adults and everyone in between. So I've been really uh, fortunate to have been brought into this organization at the very beginning and have had the um, the good fortune to uh, be on the list of a lot of firsts, the first to look at the service development, the first to understand really the needs of families and how they've changed over time. Uh, so I've, I've been um, I've been very very fortunate, and I'll I'll talk a little bit about what we do uh, a little bit later on. Um, in terms of my own family uh, caregiving experience, um, you know I've had different experiences. One with my husband who was uh, diagnosed with cancer and was very sick for a year, and I had uh, young children at the time. And fortunately now he's um, he's fully recovered, but um, that was a struggle juggling um, the job and childcare and all of the issues around uh, the medical system and around his condition. More recently, I took over um, the care for my aunt and uncle who did not have, um, say, had a childhood with a developmental disability, but they really had outlived all of their peers and family had sort of scattered. And so in some ways, I was the best and the worst of choices, the best choice because I obviously knew what to do, but the worst because I'm time-starved and they lived um, a fair distance from from my um, from my uh, home. So I had the, a bit of the long-distance caregiving going on, even though it's here in the Bay Area. It still took quite a while to get to, to where they're living. So I had experience with um, dealing with, uh, you know, moving people from a big home into assisted living and selling the house and, you know, really working through all of the different care systems uh, for them in their uh, real, their final three years of life. So I, I just want to point out that these are all just sort of natural occurrences. They all just come with the territory of living. And for anybody, particularly anyone who is between the ages of, say, 40 and 65, we almost everybody has an experience. Almost everybody has a story to tell. And I think that's, that's right. what we're going to be talking a little bit more about today. That's absolutely right. Now, Marilyn, please yes? tell us more about your background and your experience with family caregiving. Marilyn? 
Well, I was the uh, youngest of uh, in the family of four four children, and my mother was a single parent, and she was still most of my life. And by the time I finished high school, uh, being the only one left here in, in the city, uh, in close proximity, as what happens with most caregivers, um, my mother uh, was forced to go on disability and was extremely ill over the course of the next so over 20 years. And so right after I finished high school, I ended up becoming her primary family caregiver um, because I was the only one available, or, or close, close by. And uh, it, it was a challenge in itself, and I, I really believe in what I did for my mother and caring for her because I really believe, too, that what kind of society would we have without people caring for her, each other. But I had uh, three other siblings who did not share in the care, and uh, the attitudes of there's usually there's usually one person from the family that ends up being the caregiver. It's usually a woman from a low-income family, and also the one who's in the most vulnerable position. And unfortunately, that was where I was. Um, fortunately and unfortunately, because as I said, I I did care for my mother, and it was the right thing to do. But uh, immediately following my mother's death, uh, my three older siblings um, believed that I owed them money, even though I did not care. I, I did not get paid for caring for my mother, and they did not share in the care. And they, you know, they don't, don't even live in that, in Toronto. Um, and they wanted to basically evict my child, and I, if I'm a single parent of a young child, immediately following uh, my mother's death. So I was forced into a system or a situation which I knew absolutely nothing about and quite devastated after my mother's death. Just as a woman who uh, gives up her career to care for her family, I, uh, family caregiver does exactly the same thing. Uh, and, now, uh, I'm going, uh, Marilyn, I'm going to stop you there only because I know, I'm, I'm not, the, I'm tyra- too much. No, the tyranny of time. Uh, and you will have another, I'll give you another opportunity just to fill out that story. Now, to yeah, go back, yeah, I mm-hmm. to, if I could go back to Kathy now, just please very briefly tell us, fill in a bit more of the detail about the Family Caregiver Alliance and its work, please. Certainly. Um, I wish we were a nice soundbite organization, but we're not. Um, We've had the same mission for really over 30 years now, which is really to improve the quality of life for family caregivers, and we do that through providing direct services by conducting research, education, and advocacy, and we've done this uh, throughout our existence. Um, We really have one foot firmly uh, planted in the service component of the organization, however, and I I really want to emphasize that we work with families day in and day out. We're in the homes doing caregiver assessments throughout the San Francisco Bay Area. I recently sort of did a back-of-the-envelope kind of addition and realized that we probably have been in over 10,000 homes of families um, across the Bay Area, across all of the different geography we cover, ethnic groups and and um, uh, socioeconomic groups and so on, rich and poor. And uh, so we've collected quite, um, you know, a body of wisdom uh, in that experience in being able to go in and make, you know, formal, you know, do an assessment, really have a guided conversation about what families' needs are now and then in the future and uh, consult with them on the kinds of services and issues that they're going to be facing um, in the in the immediate sense and also down the road to give them an idea. Uh, we also do legal and financial planning, care consultation, and short-term counseling in groups and 
Kathy, um, I'm afraid I'm going to have to stop you there. Okay. But I will catch up with you. It's the okay. tyranny of time that I... Now, Marilyn, very quickly um, from you, please. Please say how well family caregiving is understood and how much are family caregivers respected in your experience? Just a quick answer to that. In my experience, uh, family caregiving is not understood. In North America, there's a stigmatism that, you know, it's uh, power and position. And if you are stay, staying at home or forced to care for someone and having forced to give up your career, it's looked down upon. Um, caregivers are not, in my experiences, caregivers are not expected, uh, respected in the legal system. And uh, they're lawyers who have quoted that they regard the, in, the, they call it the informal caregiver or the family caregiver as the unsuccessful child who didn't want to leave home. And it is, which is the experience where, which I've, uh, which I have uh, had is that people say, well, it was your choice to do this caring. If you don't have any money at the end of this, then it's your problem because you made a choice to care for someone rather than go and pursue your careers. Now, that, again, is very clear, and I'm going to stop you at that point because we do have to go to the break, but that is a very clear point, Marilyn. Thank you for that. So let's take the break. This is where we have to pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Kathy Kelly and Marilyn Pitcap. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Do you believe in the supernatural? Well, some do and some don't, which is why Beyond the Third Dimension looks at both sides. You have one host who believes in ghosts, while the other can't think of anything more ridiculous. Put them together and you get some great discussion and some real discoveries and exploration of the paranormal, and then some. Tune in to Beyond the Third Dimension, airing Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. And try not to be afraid of things that go bump in the night. Michelle Core Six Degrees is your connected consciousness. Six Degrees is what comes around, goes around radio. Committed to delivering a fresh perspective on thought-provoking, investigative information that can change your life. Six Degrees connects you to the social and emotional scene and is your trusted advisor from finance to romance, mainstream to metaphysical. It's a positive, upbeat look at life, love, and the pursuit of passion. Get connected Saturdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You 
You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Kathy Kelly and Marilyn Pitka. Our topic is justice for family caregivers after years of family caregiving. Now let's talk about the challenges of family caregiving that may lead to injustices of various kinds. First of all, Kathy, what are the challenges of family caregiving most likely to lead to injustices related to financial matters? Well, I think before the break, Marilyn was um, talking about her story, and I think, you know, it's not an atypical story. It's This is not something that, you know, just happens every once in a while. I think it happens, you know, more frequently than we would like to um, to, to really comment on. And, you know, I, I have to point out that at some point um, in the care, what we call the caregiving continuum, the, 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 the length of time that somebody is uh, providing assistance, we find in any given year about 20% of, of, of family members either cut back their hours or leave the workforce. And so it means a lot of different impacts happen. Loss of source of income is obvious, but it may mean a loss of uh, health insurance, at least on this side of the border it does. Um, cruel of Social Security benefits or old age pensions, uh, for example, just to stop out in your career history. Uh, there's not really a lot of support. But what I think what Marilyn brings up is a very interesting point. The caregiver constellation who's taking care has changed recently. And that means that we're really talking about adult children that have siblings uh, caring for older parents. And that brings up a whole host of problems. And finances and issues of inheritance are really one of the critical pieces that happens. Uh, and that's why, you know, we try to be proactive in our work in terms of getting everyone around the table to talk about these kinds of issues, to maybe hammer out a personal care agreement if we, if we can, just to make sure that we do everything possible not to have misunderstandings down the road. But she brings up a very, very clear point um, that that this is, you know, because the situation has changed because there's siblings involved and, and um, you know, issues of a state and so on, we find that these, these kinds of issues are coming up more and more now in our, in our practical daily work with families. Right. Marilyn, what are the challenges of family caregiving most likely to lead to injustices related to health? Well, as a family caregiver and or just as you know, it's actually harder than even being a mother because you have usually you're, you become sort of like the sandwich generation. A lot of caregivers have family caregivers also have their own families to take care of. But as when you're taking care of a family member, there there is no break. You know, if you're a paid caregiver, you are given a break and a little bit of respite. But as an in or as a family caregiver, um, you're there's no time to rest. Um, it's not like putting a child to bed. Uh, you're you're uh, you're having to you're, you're having to deal with stresses, taking someone to the hospital, looking at medications, dealing sometimes with uh, people who have dementia. In terms of, I know what I dealt with with my mother. The evening was the worst time. It was when she was sick, so I'd be up all night long, also taking care of my child. And so you don't sleep, and you get become sleep deprived. And there's you know studies show as well, and I am now a statistic, which I don't wish to be, is that um, 
there's a high incidence of, you know, heart disease, depression, um, mortality, cancer among people who are caregivers because they aren't given a chance to rest. And uh, uh, if they are given a chance, in my experiences, what happened was that if, you know, the, the small little bit of respite that you get in terms of with uh, home care, which we have here in Canada, is it's, it's they're there to augment the help, but they don't replace it. You're still responsible for somebody 24-7. And that is that's a very difficult and challenging thing to face. If you get burn, you do get caregiver burnout, and that's a very real uh, issue that affects many caregivers. Right, Kathy. What are the challenges of family caregiving that are most likely to lead to injustices related to services? You know, the availability of services, utility of services, and so on. Kathy. Well, I think that there's, um, you know, families really are not recognized in the service system. That's the first caveat. Um, I think that's that's changing, albeit slowly, but that's the that's the first thing. So to recognize that there's actually a family member present, um, that's part, should be really part of what we call the care team, that the physician, the the nurse, and it, you know, folks that are social workers, people who are working with the family, uh, the family member should be, you know, the caregiver should be part um, of that team. I think the more insidious piece in terms of um, services is that there's really no help for middle-income individuals, and that's where everybody is. Um, you know, there's probably you know, maybe 12, 12 to 14 percent, depending upon where you are in our country anyway, have, are eligible for, for low-income services, subsidized services. But the great, and there's obviously folks that can afford to pay privately for those services, but the great vast majority of individuals are right there in the middle. And for for many, um, especially those who may quit their job and are lacking a source of income and maybe, you know, their parents have spent down and they're eligible for services, you know, there there are in many states an availability to be paid as a family caregiver. Uh, excuse me, be paid as the caregiver for for the um, for the individual. And what we find is kind of curious. Um, even though many families volunteer for this, it doesn't. It's not a career choice necessarily. That a curious thing happens in terms of kind of policies and practices that emerge. And we've seen two states uh, in recent years decide that family caregivers can actually be paid less than, um, you know, hiring somebody who's not not a relative or a friend. So we find that a kind of a curious attitude um, and sort of some assumptions. Um, and I think that Marilyn has talked a little bit about those assumptions. Well, you th- this is a choice that you've made. And, you know, it's a choice that's made out of love, and we should be really providing the services that support keeping the family together. Right. Marilyn, for you, still on this theme of challenges, Challenges of family caregiving that are most likely to lead to injustices within the family. Marilyn? Well, most family, um, Kathleen had also raised an important point, and what I wanted to just say is that, you know, uh, I think for society it's important that, you know, people care for each other, because I think that if we don't, our whole society and family structure will fall apart. And I think what ends up happening is is that um, when you are caregiving, and especially prior to someone's death, um, the, the dysfunctional, the, the people that are the most are vulnerable, the ones, people that come from dysfunctional families, and there are many of them out there, dysfunctional with a big D, but what ends up happening is, is that there's an attitude, well, that 
that the family uh, caregiver has, quote, things like free rent, um, which as I know, remember saying to somebody who made that comment to me was that uh, I thought that slave labor didn't exist anymore and I can't imagine a husband ever saying that his wife had free rent because uh, one of the things that I've been doing is looking at the comparison between women who give up their careers to care for their families and the family caregiver who does exactly the same thing. Um, it's there, there's always the one person, and, and as I said, they're looked down upon, and the family members are perfectly happy while, you know, the, to, to be free. The, the, other, the non-caring family members, excuse me, I just want to clarify that, are quite happy to have the one family member caring for them so they are free to live their lives day to day. And when it comes to the death of somebody, that is when the real injustices happen because that's when, uh, you know, childhood rivalries come out, and uh, it does not matter how educated a person is because all of that education <laughs> does not matter when, when, you're, when, you're, doing, when you're dealing with uh, emotions within a family. Um, and the denigration that is, is uh, sort of put upon the person that is the caregiver within a family is is quite uh, it's quite appalling from my experience and, and I know that my experiences are not alone because as I you know because of what has happened to me I've been doing research and and working with others and, and you know trying to find a solution to this uh, terrible problem that that is happening so it, it, there's an attitude to I, I've also compared it that you're used like a dirty old dish rag where you're once the caregiving and, and you're thrown out like garbage except for you know at least when if you're a piece of garbage there's a, a in Canada at least we have three separate bins for recycling you're left not to be recycled God. That's very poignant. Kathy, can I go back to you and ask you mm -hmm. a large question, but mm -hmm. over a short space of time. One is, what Baron has just been talking about within the family, am I correct in assuming that you see this as well and have to deal with it? And then the follow-up to you, Kathy, is this. Um, would care planning of the kind you were talking about in your previous answer actually help to alleviate some of these challenges? What do you think of well, yes, it does. It does come up, um, you know, more frequently. Um, and you know, what what we're really starting to incorporate into our conversations is the concept of having um, a more formalized agreement about who, you know, who has the responsibility for what types of tasks, and you know, are are you know, because. And Marilyn's absolutely right. There's usually one person who takes on most of the caregiving tasks, and if you're lucky, you have a you know you have a really strong bond with your siblings, and people pitch in. So we have been sort of championing the idea of um, personal care agreements that really just lay out the sort of the terms of the arrangement. But this is what gets strays into what I call the icky conversations of life, which is, oh, why should you be compensated for something that you should just be doing, you know, as a as a family member? But but the issues of the and the financial reality of the situation is that um, there's a very definite impact on individuals who do, you know, give up their job. And it's different if you're giving, you know, if you're taking time out because somebody's terminally ill and you may have, you know, three to six months. But if you have three to six years, it's a very different kind of story. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so we, so we try to have that conversation up front. 
Right. Now, on that point, I'm going to have to take the break again. Um, so it is, it is that time, but these are powerful points that we shall come back to in different ways. So this is Dr. Cordonado, my guests are Kathy Kelly and Marilyn Pitka. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We're coming back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com What are some of the issues that kids face every day? You'll find out when you tune into the appropriately named Today's Kids. Your hosts are here to open the doors to a forum of all kinds of issues. Nothing is off the table here. And because it's on the Voice America Kids channel, you know you're getting a kid's perspective. Tune in every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Today's Kids. Your hosts will lead this form of engaging conversation on Voice America Kids. Listen for MD Radio on the Voice America Variety Channel. That's Muscular Development Radio. Every Monday, your host, Sean Ray, will take you inside the world of bodybuilding and health and fitness. The show will feature Hall of Fame bodybuilders, trainers, judges, and the future champions of tomorrow. Plus, you'll be invited to participate in our call-in Ask the Pros feature. And our nutritional spotlight will feature products that can help you achieve your fitness goals. MD Radio is broadcast live Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Kathy Kelly and Marilyn Pitka. Our topic is justice for family caregivers after years of family caregiving. So now let's talk about the solutions that are needed to prevent the challenges from creating injustices. Marilyn, first of all, what are the most important solutions to the challenges of family caregiving relating to financial matters? What do you see as the, perhaps say, the three most important solutions? Mara? Well, I think, first of all, um, death, um, I, I know in Canada, like you cannot predict death. Death comes in waves and pockets. Sometimes it takes many, many years, or sometimes it's very quick. And when you're forced out of the workforce, um, you ha- aren't able to save for your future, and you end up living in the margins of society um, because there's nothing there for you. So I, I think there needs to be something in place. As there, um, there are countries who actually pay people to stay at home and care for their families members because it actually saves the government billions of dollars to have somebody non-institutionalized. But, but what ends up happening is is that while you care for your loved ones and you save the system billions of dollars because of the uh, the challenges in terms of you know you know health uh, your your own health and caregiver burnout you end up uh, as I said a lot of caregivers end up quite ill after the end of their caregiving you end up being forced into a system 
um, is that you kept your loved one uh, not to be part of, um, and, and you're usually denigrating them in the process. So there needs to be something in place. To Unfortunately, we're them. losing this signal um, okay. at this particular point, Marilyn. Can you hear me? Again? Yeah, I yeah. can hear. Uh, can you hear me better now? I just switched yes, I sides. Maybe is that better? Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Carry on. Sorry to interrupt. Okay, should carry I start on. start again, or what part? No, you, you just carry on talking where you left off. Okay. Try. Um, 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 sorry, just give me a second here. Um, there, there needs to be some sort of monetary thing in place to help caregivers to re-enter the workforce after the caregiving ends and to understand that there, there's nothing safe for, for their future. So in terms of um, uh, retirement funds, if you, uh, for example, as in my experience, I you know spent over 20 years caring for my mother for no pay, and now I'm in a terrible financial situation um, and, you know, living on the margins of society, which, you know, nobody should have to be living like that. You know, you work, you, you put all your money towards caregiving, and then at the end of it, n- none of it matters. Because it's it's unpaid quote unpaid care or unpaid help. So if, if you had hired a, a professional person or not professional like a formal formal caregiver, someone who gets paid, they would be recognized. But your work is not recognized. So there needs to be the government needs to a find a way in order to to help people stay at home so that they're not ending up on social assistance or on disability when the caregiving ends. So that there's something in place and there needs to be some sort of Retirement fund that is, is given to caregivers. There's no right now in Canada. I think they were going to. They were talking about having a, uh, a tax credit for people who earn over forty thousand dollars a year, and they're having to put their money towards caregiving. But the problem with that is, is that it's the people who earn under forty thousand dollars a year are the ones who are forced to give up their careers are in need, not the people who earn over forty thousand, because they're the ones who are having to give up their careers. The people that earn under forty thousand. So there needs to be something in place so that the people that so that the caregiver who keeps the uh, care recipient that their their loved one out of the system does not become part of a system that actually right. has absolutely nothing in place. Going, only stopping you because of time. That's key. Keeping people, family caregivers, out of the system. Key point. Kathy. Again, important solutions. What are the most important solutions to the challenges of family caregiving relating to health? And we're talking here of the health of the family caregiver. Kathy? Yeah. No, I've, I've, um, I've been puzzling about this recently because um, the health effects can be, um, you know, quite detrimental. And I'm thinking that we need to, and we've, I've seen a little bit of this happen, where you really need to start to talk about this in public health terms because it's going to be a much more prevalent uh, situation in the future, obviously, um, as, you know, as we age, we're, uh, all of the... You know, Canada and the United States are, are, you know, is getting older rapidly. Um, and just to think about, you know, the kind of extreme stress that um, individuals live under and the prolonged stress and the raising of cortisol levels, it's really been shown that this extreme stress has been shown to age people prematurely, and it can take, you know, 10 years off of the caregiver's life. And I'm wondering, why aren't we more alarmed about this? Um, so I think that we need to recognize it as a health issue, and as such, I think health history forms need to have um, in their risk assessment a question about are you a family caregiver? Um, that you know that really should be a trigger for 
screening around stress or depression. Uh, I don't want to make that totally a medical issue because there's other other factors that are involved, obviously. But I do think that there are direct interventions uh, that can uh, teach stress reduction and other kinds of coping skills for, you know, both stress and and um, and de- and depression. Um, but it comes about with you know in in a very different way, and I think we need to, you know, begin to raise the alarm on this. Uh, so we we do need to be able to screen for for these issues. But first, we have to recognize that there may be an upstream effect to what might be presented in a doctor's office, and that upstream effect may be the presence of being a family caregiver and being particularly the primary caregiver. Right. Marilyn, most important solutions to the challenges of family caregiving related to services. And once again, I have to ask you to be brief because of the tyranny of time. Marilyn, important (laughs) solutions related to services. Okay, well, first of all, um, while someone is caregiving, there is some services that are available. But the tragedy is, is that once the caregiving ends, there's absolutely nothing in place. So there's, there are a few, when I was caregiving, there weren't any support groups, unless it had to do with Alzheimer's uh, patients. Um, and what I found afterwards is that there was the, uh, the National Caregiving, uh, I think, National Caregiving Association that, and these other caregiving associations that I contacted when I ran into my challenges after the death of my mother and only to only discover that I didn't qualify for anything because my mother had already died. And in the same thing, um, in, in terms of trying to get some assistance and some help within the legal system, um, it falls through the cracks. There's, uh, you know, there's laws against uh, caregiver abuse, laws against uh, laws against uh, sorry, laws against elder abuse and child abuse and spousal abuse, but no law against uh, familial abuse. So when you're trying to go get some help and challenges and rebuild your life, there's absolutely nothing there for you if you just fall through the cracks. So there needs to be some services just as women who have exited the workforce and their children have grown have to re-exit. You need assistance in trying to get your footing back on in time. Um, it, it doesn't, you know, I think that you have to look at families in, in terms of caregiving no different than spouses because when you are caring for someone you uh, live as a family and you pull your resources together at least that was what happened with in, in, in my particular situation so there needs going to, to going to stop you sorry about this I know I'm awful uh, Kathy I just need to switch to you quickly for this one important solutions to the challenges of family caregiving related to the family Kathy please yeah I think um you know, part part is that um, families need to be, you know, brought brought into the, you know, the to the care team so they understand the situation better and not only, you know, what's needed now, but you know, having the conversation about what they may need or have to consider or decide in the future, I think would really be helpful for families. Um, in terms of sort of the practice area, I don't want to sound too jargony now, but really the constellation, I think Marilyn is. Is a is a is really a good case in point. Caregiver caregiving has changed, and the, the fact of the matter is that we have one person who definitely takes on the the burden, but there are other players that are involved, and many of the kinds of ways in which we think about helping uh, caregivers is really just done on what we call a primary caregiver basis. There's only one involved, 
And I have posed this to many of my colleagues in the field to say siblings are involved here. There's going to be more than one player around the table. And actually, we need to start training all individuals in the health and the social service field to understand how to conduct a family meeting to get consensus around a direction and also maybe some mediation skills when families really can't come to decisions um, easily and situations may have to be mediated. Um, I think we're just entering a whole new era where we're going to have more than one interested party um, involved and, and that we have to keep pace uh, within the health and social service system to, to um, help this new constellation of family caregivers. Right. Now, it's time to take a break once more. This is Dr. Gordon Alley. My guests are Kathy Kelly and Marilyn Pitkirk. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We're coming back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Tune in every week for the Ellis Martin Report. Our program will bring you the news and information that you need each week. We look at publicly traded small and mid-cap companies from a variety of sectors. We'll talk to key people in the industry to bring you the foreground and background of new and -and up-and-comers for potential investment. Please remember, invest only at your own risk. The Ellis Martin Report is meant for information purposes only. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Tune in to the Hoffman Connection for inspiration, a life of passion and purpose. Hosts Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon will bring you ways to remove the blocks in your life that are holding you back. Along with their guest experts, Raz and Ed will use their experience and expertise to help you learn to get closer to what matters to you most, and by doing so, improve your life and the lives of others. The Hoffman Connection can be heard live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A divorce can break your heart, but it doesn't have to break the bank or ruin your life. Join Lori Grover for A Divorce You Can Live With and discover the benefits divorce mediation offers over aggressive, dueling attorneys. Lori and her guests will show you how you can make your divorce faster, healthier, and much less expensive. She'll also be sharing the ways she helps couples settle money and parenting issues fairly and the pitfalls of using the legal system to wage financial and emotional war. A Divorce You Can Live With airs live every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg 
at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. And Kathy Kelly and Marilyn Pitke. Our topic is justice for family caregivers after years of family caregiving. Now, I want to ask you both, please, what you would like to see done to promote justice for family caregivers for whom family caregiving has created injustice. And by injustice, we mean the kind of unfairness, the kinds of stresses and strains, the kind of financial burdens, the kind of health burdens, and all those sorts of things. So, in other words, I, want, I would like you, please, to say to us, what are the things you would like to see done uh, to promote that kind of health and justice for family caregivers. Now, starting with you, Marilyn, that's the question. What about, what are the things that you would like to see done? Well, I'd like to see some legislation put into place, which is what, you know, I'm working towards, that protects the position of the family caregiver from being preyed upon by the other non-family caregivers. And to also find a way in which legislation that values unpaid care because in our society it's not valued and I I think it it needs to be up there Uh, familial abuse uh, needs to be part of the the same categories of family family uh, family law because it's all within a family and the vulnerabilities are there so there needs to be something in place there needs to be uh, financial uh, assistance so that people aren't uh, living on the margins of society and just uh, left on the street to die, which is the case of many, many, many caregivers. And, I've, you know, there's many studies. There, there's a, a discrimination. So it, there needs to be some sort of recognition, just as we worked hard to have the women who stayed at home to care for their families recognized and valued. Um, we, we've come a long way in that end, but for some reason it's, it's complete completely backwards here for uh, the family caregiver who is doing exactly the same 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 thing so there needs to be something in place and also so if someone is also forced out of forced to exit the workforce that there is something in place to protect them from discriminations and being able to re-enter the workforce and to have some sort of compensation but most importantly value placed upon the unpaid care and to make sure that there's some sort of protection against familial abuse got it Kathy, same question. What more would you like to see done to promote justice for family caregivers? Well, I am going to be um, slightly redundant here because Marilyn made such great points, but um, I do think that we do need to fully recognize informal, or excuse me, family caregivers as a component of what we call our long-term care system or our services and supports that help um, individuals remain at home. So we need to first recognize that there are uh, they're they're important and they play an important role. They're family caregivers and they play an important role. And secondly, we need to provide an assessment um, of their uh, needs and for services and support. And this is um, you know a critical piece because it helps collect the information, the collective stories of of families to be able to talk about policy uh, to policymakers uh, and have the facts at hand. I think third is, again, the accrual of Social Security benefits and assistance, 
with reentering the workforce. Marilyn makes an excellent point. We, you know, family caregivers need to be able to accrue the same kinds of benefits of those that are in the workforce because they are. They're the hidden workforce of the long-term care system. They're the backbone of how we take care of um, our aging uh, parents and, and relatives. And then finally, I think the workplace needs to have more flexibility. If you are juggling work and, and family responsibilities, flexibility really is the name of the game with, with folks that are, that are in the workforce. So to provide incentives for the workplace to uh, provide that kind of flexibility um, and to uh, provide some basic information, you know, to employers out there about where families might go to turn for more assistance or consultation on on their uh, needs of uh, of their um, older adults um, is really critical. So we we need um, we need to re-engineer our society to uh, to really recognize and um, be more aware that um, we're aging um, and we need uh, family members to really provide the the support and services. Otherwise, we're all going to go bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> right now. This is a little bit different. I want you both, I'm going to ask you both the same question, what your message is for family caregivers. And I, I don't want to sound as though I'm being flippant, but I'd like you to feel that you're making a speech to, you know, politicians, maybe to people in an audience uh, who are wondering who to vote for, and that you want to get a message across to family caregivers uh, that's going to give them hope, but also show them that they're respected, those kinds of things. So starting with you, Marilyn, what's your message for family caregivers? Um, everyone at some point in their life is going to be a caregiver. You're going to be caring for somebody. Um, I believe, as a report. We also put it is that what kind of society be without people caring for each other? But, you know, one has to also step back and, and uh, you know, uh, look at what costs. You, you need to find a way to protect yourself. You need to care about each other. And, and the problem is a systemic problem that we have right now. And caregivers cannot be marginalized and denigrated, humility, humiliated anymore. I believe that... What I want to see happen is that the family caregiver, because I believe in, first of all, I believe in what I did for my mother and caring for her, and I want my daughter to believe in the future. I want future generations of Canadians uh, to believe in caring for one another and not to be afraid to care that they'll end up in the kind of position that I have now found myself in. I want to avoid that from happening. Um, I want to be declared, caregivers to be declared as a person before the law, and Caring for your family members is the right thing and, and, and the only thing that one should do. However, you do have to find some balance in terms of protecting yourself, which is something that most people don't do. So I guess my one message is, is that it is the right thing to do and not to be, af be afraid, but to stand up for your rights because you are a person. Great. Kathy, same question. What's your message for family caregivers? Well, I think my message would be for family caregivers not to be invisible and um, to um, make yourself and your needs known to uh, other family members, to your friends, to you know your workplace, to to the leaders in the in the in the in the political realm as well. 
that your needs your needs count. Um, you know, we we don't um, we won't change the law unless uh, people demand it. We won't change the workplace unless people demand it. And we have seen this with um, you know the women's movement, with with um, the issues around childcare. You know, the same kinds of rhetoric was around childcare as around family caregiving. And I think unless, if you stay silent, the problem's never going to be acknowledged. So you have to be part of the solution. And if you're part of the solution, what you'll find, if you're proactive, you'll find there's a lot of information out there on caregiving and ways in which to make your life easier uh, if you look for it. It's a lot of information on the Internet, and there's some supportive services out there now. But you have to make yourself known. And concurrently, um, those that are uh, in the in the in the field of um, healthcare and social services, and in the political field, also have to recognize the the enormous contributions, the enormous financial contributions, particularly that family caregivers provide every single day um, uh, uh, in their in their caring existence. But I also would urge families not to be invisible, to really speak up, and to let themselves be heard. Very clear. Now, to both of you, just a quick comment. You've pointed out that, on the one hand, family caregivers tend to be not have a voice, not to be paid or not to be paid enough, and yet the healthcare systems of our, both our countries are more and more relying on the subsidy of the unpaid work to an increasingly expensive and challenged healthcare system. So we've got to address that contradiction. And then there's another one, and, you know, Kathy stressed this, um, it's evolving, family caregiving is evolving, um, it's more than we thought it was, and given again the point that the healthcare system is more and more relying on family caregivers, mm-hmm. we owe it to them as a society to recognize, as we did to workers all those centuries ago and all those years ago, that they deserved care and protection in the workplace. That seems to me one of your key messages that you've both given so well um, in this episode. Now, I'm going to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners. I want to say a special thank you to Kathy and, Mar- Kathy and Marilyn, because you not only shared your experiences and your insights, you've actually given us some advice on things we should be doing and thinking about. You've urged us, and this is my word, to mobilize uh, as family caregivers, to get ourselves heard, to get some uh, recognition for what we're doing, which is crucial not only for our families but for the healthcare system. So to you both, every success individually and organizationally for what you're doing because what you're doing is profound and important and necessary and essential. Now, in our next episode, we'll talk about Lyme disease challenges for family caregivers and their family members. So to our dear listeners, please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around.